When I was coming out, Betty DeGeneres was a prominent ally for our community. This podcast is about celebrating the Bettys in our lives, the people who made a difference in our coming out stories simply by showing up and standing in unconditional love. But unconditional love doesn't mean you still don't have questions or concerns or fears. It just means we have to help each other through that conversation. This is the Gay Podcast for Everyone. Hi, everyone. Welcome to They Can All Be Betty, the podcast where we flip the lens on the coming out story, invite our family into the conversation, and open the closet one story at a time. Today's episode is with my new friend, Deborah Miranda, money coach of the finance blog, My Bee Budget. This episode was recorded on June 1st, which is the first day of Pride, and we're really excited to get this episode out right in the middle of the month, right in the middle of Pride. But before I start the podcast, I wanted to highlight an awesome Austin-based company. And no, this is not an ad. This is just something that I think is really cool because Instagram has actually connected me with some really awesome people. Today's guest obviously being one of them. But another one in particular is the jewelry design company called Laura Elizabeth Jewelry. And in the last couple of months, I've gotten to know Laura Elizabeth, and she is an amazing and genuine ally. And she created two necklaces, which are part of a collection that she calls the Acceptance Collection that is in support of the LGBTQ community. Now, you can read more about this on her website, but the jewelry was created when a grandmother reached out to Laura Elizabeth, asking her if she'd be open to designing a few pieces of jewelry for her and her grandson, who identifies as gay and who was being bullied at school. The grandmother really wanted to show support by creating something that showed support and solidarity. So Laura Elizabeth helped them with this and created this acceptance collection that is on her website, laurelizabethjewelry.com, and they take the symbolic rainbow to a whole new level. One necklace takes the essence of the traditional rainbow symbol, and it's designed with this negative space in between, and it just looks so cool. And the other is a dog tag pendant with a portion of the rainbow etched inside of it. Trust me, you have to see these. Plus, Laura Elizabeth Jewelry is a sustainable and ethical jewelry company, and a portion of the sales for the acceptance collection go to the grandmother and grandson who are behind the creation, and a percentage is also donated to Out Youth, which is a local Austin-based nonprofit that supports the LGBTQ youth community. It's just all good, y'all. And I'm sure that my guest for this episode would totally support that. She's a money coach and a blogger and a fellow budget lover who I also met via Instagram, and her story really resonated with me. We're two people who are creating new chapters in our lives, doing something later in our lives with the hopes of connecting and hopefully making a positive impact. Deborah is a proud mom who has a child that identifies as non-binary. And we'll talk about the fact that in our Hispanic Latino culture, there are two things that we really don't talk about. One is money and the other is sex and anything under that sex umbrella. So we're going to do our part to scratch that record and to create a space of communication and learning by talking about those two things, money and sexual orientation. This is my conversation with Deborah Miranda. Thank you for being here today. I really appreciate you being here. And we're getting to kick off Pride. Yes, today's the first day of Pride. I know. I'm so excited. I mean, we wanted to do this episode so that hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, I can edit it pretty quickly, get it out for pride, because we really want to, you know, we really want to be smack in the middle of that. Definitely. Before we dive in, before we dive in, will you introduce yourself a little bit to the the people who are listening, please? Sure. My name is Deborah Johnson Miranda. I am a Gen X Latinx money coach, and I am an LGBTQ mama. Awesome. 
I love that. And I love that we connected through Instagram. Yes, yes. We did. Through, through money, actually, through, through a finance person because of money. Because we love money. <laughs> you posted something. <laughs> we were both following someone who we both mutually mm -hmm. admire. And I saw you. And you know how you flip through somebody's sure. Instagram. And I'm like, oh, like first thing you had on there was LGBTQ mom. Um, this was a while back. I, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It was a while back. Yeah. You've changed it since then. But I remember seeing like, you know, that you were an LGBTQ mom and I resonated with that, of course. And I was like, oh, I want to follow her. And she loves money. Like, you know, loves budgeting. Yeah. You said something about budgets. Budgets. Money for me, money for my kids, mm -hmm. money for other generations. I'm one of those weird yeah. people who thinks that budget is, is a wonderful word. I love it, by the way. <laughs> you think it's a wonderful word, but there are so many people who think that a budget is restrictive. Right. When actually it's just basically a map or a plan. And uh, they don't understand that a budget can change from month to month and that it can be flexible. And that by having a budget, you're not restricting yourself. You're actually able to um, include something in there a line item for something that you may want and it just you may not be able to you know buy whatever it is that you want right away or you know but i think that it's important for people to know that it's it's like a map it's so that you can see where you're at and figure out where you want to be especially if you're setting goals right and the thing is you and i talked about this earlier like you and i met will we chatted earlier about this a couple of weeks ago but we wanted to really talk about the two things that our culture does not talk about really which is money and sex sexual orientation anything like that's that right. anything personal or private we don't discuss those things that's right so how are we supposed to really talk about a budget you know um, yeah, if something as basic as money, which everybody needs to live off of, um, if we can't talk about that, then it's it's hard to talk about anything else. And there, there are so many things that are taboo in the Latino culture anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But those that's a big one. Definitely. It is a big one. And I feel that I'm one of those people who I'm pretty open with where I am with my budget, with my finances, whatever. My girlfriend is always like, oh my gosh, all your friends know your whole life. They do. They know my life, mainly because I feel like yeah. we can't empower ourselves or empower each other if we don't give each other information. Earlier today, mm -hmm. a friend of mine had mentioned just a little, a small, tiny little thing, and it had to do with credit. And I heard her say something and I was like, wait, 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 wait. If you do this, this will help you avoid going the wrong direction. And she didn't know this mm -hmm. tiny little tidbit. And had we not yeah. spoken about that, I mean, really, she mm -hmm. would have gone the wrong direction. It might, it might be something that eventually ends up in something, you know, and it, I mean, God forbid in collections, who knows, but if you take the wrong turn, because you just simply don't know, and that's kind of the point. Yep. I mean, if we don't talk, we don't know. Financial literacy is crazy, crazy important because it's not taught a lot in schools. Um, I remember when I was in high school, many, many years ago, um, the closest thing probably would have been something like a home ec class. And in those days, um, all we ever heard about was, you know, cooking, sewing, you know, and taking care of a house. But um, I think that as a lot of times, a lot of us are, you know, immigrants and the children, like in my case, I'm an immigrant and I'm the child of an immigrant uh, who came to this country and didn't know what a 401k was or what a budget was. All you did was you saved a little bit extra, saved a little bit out of your paycheck every week or whenever you had some kind of a side hustle because... In those days, you know, my, my, you know, side hustles have been around for ages, ages and ages. 
Um, and all you knew is you stuck it in a savings account or you stuck it under the floorboards mm -hmm. in your bedroom. That's how you saved. And that's how my mother saved. Yeah. And it's really important for, uh, for people to be financially literate because if, if not, they're just going to make terrible decisions that can be costly. My financial illiteracy cost me potentially a million dollars because I didn't know what a 401k was when it was offered to me at the age of 20. And, you know, maybe in 15, 20 years, I could have a million, I could have, you know, I could have a million dollars if I had known to max out a 401k, you know, with an employer match. Well, I don't know that, but I am teaching that to my children because I want the next generation to not have to suffer from that kind of generational illiteracy. And that's one of the things that I'm really, really trying hard to do. So even though I, my focus is on Gen Xers. I'm teaching my kids and I'm teaching their peers and um, teaching anybody on, on Instagram. You'd be surprised at the number of people who don't know something as basic as how to open a high yield savings account. Those things are so important. Yeah. It's so easy and it's costing people a lot of money. Yeah. And it's because we're not having these conversations, really. And I really feel yeah. like because we're not having these conversations about money or about um you know, sexuality, sexual orientation, whatever, the same way we get messages that because I'm gay, I'm a bad person. I could get the same messages with regards to money That's where true. like when I look back, I think, where did I get my money messages from? And I'm still kind of dissecting it almost the same way I'm dis dissecting, you know, how I feel about myself and really standing into, into pride as we're in pride month, you know, um, mm -hmm. But I ask, where did I get my money messages? And one of the things I think I did, I remember my mom would sit at the table. She was in charge of the money. She would sit at the table. She had the bill. She would write out the bill. You know, back in the day when you wrote a check and put a, a check in the mail. And <laughs> yeah, the envelopes, and the, the envelope. stamp, everything all yes. lined up, your calculator. Yeah, yep, yeah. The whole nine. And honestly, like that process of her writing out the check and putting it in the, in the envelope, I remember thinking that she looked so cool. Like I was like, she's so organized, you know, everything is neatly organized on the table and, you know, there's an abundance of money. And like, I received these messages that were not <laughs> quite true. You know, um, yeah. it wasn't that there was an abundance of money to me, checks were just pieces of paper that you just filled those things out. You know, like the money was there somewhere. It was somewhere. Absolutely. So these money, money messages, yeah. these are these messages that we receive, whether it's about money or about sexual orientation or whatever. I mean, we get these things from our family and we get them from our friends, from the people that are, that we're around. So we really just need to talk about these things, you know? Because, you know, you talk about what people say or don't say, but action and inaction are things to consider also, because by your actions sometimes speak louder than words, as the saying goes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes your inaction also can be very, um, it can be helpful or very damaging. And so you have to set an example, uh, whether it's money, sex, sexual orientation, you have to set an example somehow. You have to take, I believe, you have to take a stand. If you're going to be, you know, the parent or sibling, family member, friend, or um, acquaintance of somebody in the community, I think it's really important to be active in that way. Uh, just the same way that it's very important to be active in putting money away every month. You know, inaction can be very damaging. It's It goes up, it's up there with um, financial literacy. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, inaction, um, 
as an ally, friend, parent, or family member, whatever, can also be damaging to the person in your life. Uh, just like if I had not taken the action of opening a Roth for my oldest child, you know, they weren't going to open it because they don't know the first thing about it. They don't care about money. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, you need to care about money. So yeah. we're yeah. going to do this and you're going to learn what we're going to invest in so that you can have some, you know, some information and, and you can make really good decisions when you go off on your own. And then I'm going to go on to the next kid and then the next kid. I think that's one of, well, I actually know that's one of the things that I really gravitated to when I saw your Instagram is you're very passionate in such a wonderful way about your children. <laughs> you know, you are yes. so passionate yeah. and anything I would post on, on my Instagram, you would always comment with, you know, a very loving, passionate, <laughs> uh, uh, reply about your kids, yeah. you know, like if anybody hurts my kids, they're going to hear it or, oh, um, you know, yeah. I'm a cheerleader or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has that. So you're taking the action to show that, that you are that cheerleader. You are that ally. Well, it's important to me because, uh, I have a sister who has down syndrome. Rebecca is developmentally disabled. She has a lot of health issues. Uh, she's 45 years old. She's a major badass. I see the discrimination that my mother faced as a Latina, as a small brown woman who mopped floors and took care of old people and took care of babies and cleaned houses um, as an affront to her dignity. And I see discrimination against my sister as an affront to her dignity. I see discrimination against the LGBTQ community as an affront to their dignity. And the way I've always seen it is that if you are going to discriminate against one group of people, you're discriminating against everybody because yeah. you're denying people their humanity, whether they're an immigrant, whether they're gay, whether they're disabled, whether um, they're deaf, whatever. I feel that very deeply because I grew up with a disabled person. I grew up with a brown mother. And when I found out that I had an LGBT kid for me, it was like, well, let's just lump them into that group too. And to make sure that they are, you know, if I can be an advocate for them, then I'm going to be an advocate for them the way I advocate for my mother and my sister and for other people. I just think that it's really important to do that. And for me, it's just, it's very simple that way. I see it in a very black and white way. And anybody who um, goes against that or minimizes somebody's experience is just gone. As, as I've gotten older, mm -hmm. my tolerance level has decreased. And now I have no no level of tolerance for people who um, who take positions against the people that I love. Yeah, I absolutely understand that. So you have a child who identifies as non-binary, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay. And so just to define what non-binary is... And you actually helped me with this because I didn't realize it was under the trans yes. umbrella. Well, and I just learned that myself because um, so when Maria came out as non-binary, um, they came out last year and it wasn't like this big, huge thing. It was just my pronouns are she, they. And so, okay. And so I used the pronouns interchangeably. And then little by little, I began to understand what it meant to be non-binary because I wanted to, I wanted to understand it better. And then just uh, about a month ago, maybe not even a month ago, Maria came out, came to me and said, my pronouns are they, them. And so now I'm having to, you know, really focus on 
respecting that and reminding myself all the time to use the correct pronouns. And um, they explained to me, like just a little uh, recently, like about two weeks ago, Maria was explaining to me that, yes, that trans is like, there's, it's like an umbrella. And that underneath you have the different, you, ha- you have like a line and along that line, you have all the different genders and how people identify. I hope I'm saying this correctly. And if I'm not, I'm very, very sorry. But my understanding also is that it's not whether you're male, female, or non-binary. It's you, you either, you can, and, and people change and evolve throughout their lives. So in, in Maria's case, they don't identify as male or female. Um, on certain days, they may feel more masculine. On other days, they feel more femme. And it just, it's a, it's kind of like a fluidity. And it's, what's interesting to me is that Maria's generation is so, so open and forthcoming. And they're like, this is who I am. This is who I am. And, you know, and they make no excuses for who they are. And that to me is amazing. And that's so brave because I couldn't Mm -hmm. do that. I would not have been able to do that. And uh, more and more of Maria's friends, uh, we have another friend who just came out as non-binary. And in their case, they're struggling a bit because the the family isn't starting to use the their pronouns and not referring to that person with um, the the name that they have chosen. And so I'm trying to work with the mother to to kind of help ease that transition. Again, I'm no expert. I mean, there could be a trans or non-binary person who is going to listen to this podcast and say, actually, that's not how it is. I'm just trying to repeat it the way my child taught me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and that's the, actually, I think that's the beauty of having like a trans umbrella is because everybody can say, this is my truth and right. this is who I am. And that's it. They, they don't make excuses. They just say, this is who I am. And that's a beautiful thing. Well, going back to your, to your friend who you're trying to help with the pronouns, are you helping them? Because it is difficult when you're, and I'm sure for you as the parent of a non-binary child, you know, trying to use the correct pronoun, sometimes it might just like slip off your tongue. You just say she, it's, it's very easy. And so a lot of times you have to really work at the pronoun, I guess, you know? Yeah, no, it's true. When, um, so with Maria, like talking to you, It's weird because talking to you or talking to somebody, I remember always to say they, them. Mm -hmm. But if I'm repeating something that Maria said to somebody and Maria is there, somehow I inadvertently slip into she and Mm -hmm. they will correct me and say they, them. And I apologize. And I'm like, and then I start over what Maria told me. And I'm actually really lucky that she says this to me that she understands that she knows I'm not doing it to be. Um, I'm not doing it to deny her, her, who she is, who they are. Right. Right. I I just did it. (laughs) Um, whereas in the case of this friend of mine, they are not, they're not trying. They have made the decision that for now they are going to refer to their child as she, her, Mm -hmm. and by the, the birth name. I don't want to say dead name because that's, not what the child is calling it right now. And so what I'm trying to do is let 
my friend know that it's not about her. She loves her child. She is the first person to advocate for her child, but she's having a problem with this. And so what I am thinking as the mother of a child who is LGBTQ Mm -hmm. is that both sides, if they can give each other some grace and some time and some learning. But like I said to Maria the other day, it's incumbent upon the parent or the friend of the LGBTQ person to make that change and to make the effort. You know, if I don't get Maria's pronouns right, you know, I don't know that in six months they're going to be as patient as they are right now. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's incumbent upon me to really focus on my child's pronouns because that's, that's who they are. My 15 year old son corrects me. If I say, he just silently says, they, they, which is really (laughs) cute, you know? And I'm just like, and that's another thing is that the boys just take it like, that's Maria. That's my sibling. Okay. Next. Is she going to play video game with me? You know? Um, And so, yeah, it's, you know, and I get it. I get it. I get it's hard. In my case, I think the hardest thing uh, about having an LGBTQ child is dealing with the persistent worry that I have for all my children, and that's in wanting them to be safe. Mm-hmm. Safety is primary for me. And I said that to Maria the other day when we were talking about, she was talking, they were talking about um, the looks that they sometimes get when they're out with their girlfriend. And that's a worry that my mother has because my mother, who is an 87-year-old, brought up Catholic, you know, we're a Catholic family. Her first, my mother's first thought is, I want my grandchild to be protected. That's her first, like, that. That's uh, that's primary above anything else. And so, you know, other than that, Maria is still my kid. I still gave birth to them. I still am their mother. Who they are hasn't, they may feel like they've changed inside, but I see them as my kid. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really important that you are an example, like you're an example to that friend who is having a tough time. It sounds like she's having, or he or she, I don't know, is having a tough time with acceptance. And just just you being an example of, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to understand this journey to respect it Mm -hmm. and to try to at least use the correct pronouns. Like, what is it going to hurt to respect the way somebody feels about themselves. And maybe you'll, if you, you know, by being open, you'll learn something. Just the fact that you're that example. I mean, that's a huge thing. I hope so. I mean, you know, like I said in our, in our meeting, when we met, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm nothing out of the ordinary. I'm just somebody who loves their kid. And yeah, I mean, if by using this child's pronouns, and by referring to them with the name that they want to be known mm-hmm. by, when I'm talking to the parent, then I feel like by doing that, I'm you're setting you know, an example, showing that for sure. I hope sure. I am. I hope I am. And Maria also texted, you know, the parent and said, "I'm here if you have any questions. I know this is really hard. I love you, you know. And I know that bit by bit, this is going to be." you know, it's going to, it's going to be okay. I'm just kind of like, uh, about the process of it. And I, I, whenever I see something like this online, I'm like, you know what, go to P flag. Right. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if P flag is or the Trevor project, you know, go online and just 
read, just do some research and just read at these organizations. I myself have not done that. I go to Trevor Project because mm -hmm. I love to hear the stories because I, I just think it's the coolest organization. And so, um, but I, I haven't used them as a resource like to call or, or text or anything. Um, mm -hmm. And may, maybe someday I will, I don't know. But I think that those are two really good organizations that have a long history of doing a really good job of showing people's humanity and also of helping families and friends and acquaintances understand better where everybody's coming from. I absolutely agree with you. And we talked earlier about how about how money really affects the LGBTQ community with in reference to mortgages and employment and stuff like that. And in the near future, at some point, my girlfriend and I are probably going to be looking for a house together. But in that process, where we're looking to move is a small town about an hour north of Austin. And there isn't and there is a visible LGBTQ community, but it's also a very small LGBTQ community, LGBTQ community. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard for to say sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, and so I recognize that it's not a, I mean, Austin is not a place where I honestly would walk down the street holding my girlfriend's hand and this small town certainly isn't a place that I would either. It's a matter of like your mother said, it's a matter of safety. Do you feel safe, et cetera? And I found myself literally Googling gay friendly realtor yeah. in oh, I the city. You, yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah. that because I was telling you about my, my gay realtor. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And like, I was like, this is the saddest thing to me, but it's also just a real thing. You know, I could be discriminated against yes. just hundred yeah. percent. I could. Um, so during the Trump administration, you know, with Ben Carson as head of housing and urban development, a lot of protections for the LGBTQ community were removed in housing, especially in public housing. And that was devastating, you know, LGBTQ yeah. kids have higher rates of homelessness than other groups um, because their parents are kicking them out. And so where are these kids going to go when they turn 18? Um, and so there's that. And then there's the discrimination in lending, you know, Latinos and black people get discriminated. You know, Wells Fargo has a long history of discriminating against um, people who want to buy in so-called low income or minority neighborhoods. And um, my my concern, and this is why I'm pushing the money literacy on all of my kids, but I especially want Maria to be aware of it because she's kind of like, nah, nah, money, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, because of the danger of someday being, you know, moving to a state where there are right. no protections. Washington, you know, here, like mm -hmm. I, we talked about before, we have a, a bubble. Okay. We live in a bubble here in Seattle. There's so many right. protections for um, the LGBTQ community and, and also, you know, on the state level, but um, that's not the case nationwide. And so even if Biden removes all of these ridiculous executive orders signed by the previous occupant of the White House, those things need to be legislated. That needs to be written into law because the next time a Republican president comes into office, we're going to be taking another step back. And so I know, I know Maria, and I know that they are going to be, they're already an amazing human being. And they already have a clear vision of who they are and what they want to do. But there are so many people who have come from marginalized communities and she's a brown person. And it's like, that's another thing going against them. And so it's really hard. Um, there needs to be a lot of education to go out into the 
to the LGBTQ community, um, especially among um, the people of color in that community, because, you know, with the lowest, um, the highest levels of discrimination, lowest level of employment and less access to housing, those are two big things for me. And so my, my hope is that that's going to change with each generation, but I'm not going to wait for it to change for me to do something for my kid. So parents, Gen X parents of my age who have children who are LGBTQ need to think about that now, just like the parent, just like my mother. And I have to think about my sister, you know, what's going to happen to her if my mom and I die before Rebecca, you know, we have to be prepared for that. I need to prepare my children for that too. And I hate to single out Maria and I don't mean to, but I think that, you know, they're going to have more issues in, in that sphere than their brothers. And it even comes up with, um, when I think about retirement, um, retiring in a community that, or like you said, in a state that respects you for me, that would mean, you know, moving to San Francisco, you know, California, that's not a cheap, you know, an inexpensive place to move to. So that's just one example, but the amount of money you would have to have in order to move to a state, to retire to that state, even if you wanted to retire in an LGBTQ friendly retirement community, you know, that would require more capital than a community that is non LGBTQ. So these are also very real things that we need to think about for our future as a gay community. Well, like historically, Capitol Hill in Seattle, the Capitol Hill neighborhood is like Gaylandia. Okay. But what has happened over the past 20 years is has been a huge exodus of the gay community leaving Capitol Hill. It's been become too expensive to live there. I mean, the house, they're like multi-million dollar homes in, in a neighborhood that was pro-gay, gay friendly, everything, you know, and it's sad to see that, um, that they've been priced out of those homes and of, of historically important neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like the States, you know, Washington, Oregon, and California, the States with the most, uh, with very strong protections are very expensive. And that's why piecemeal legislation does not work. There has to be countrywide. Okay. You, you, you know, made gay marriage legal. Now you got to make, you know, anti, LGBTQ discrimination illegal in housing and employment and healthcare. Right. You know, there are so many places you're here in Washington. If you have a partner, you can go visit that partner when that person's in the hospital. But in other states, you may have to have all these signed waivers and documents and power of attorney and all these things that a lot of people can't afford to pay for because they have to pay an attorney to draw these things up for them. So there's, there's that healthcare, the legal aspect. There's so many, so many yeah. issues. There are a lot of additional costs to being LGBTQ, to be honest. Yeah. Well, and I think this was a, such a great conversation to kick off pride. You know, I mean, really I so. the biggest thing we, we want in our lives is we want our parents in our lives. We want our families in our lives and to hear a mom who is so supportive of her child and just, you know, tries to be mm-hmm. an example and says, even if I make a mistake, it's well-intentioned and I'll learn from it. I mean, that's all anybody can do. That, that is being human. I think it's, it, it makes me feel good that my child says, I know you're not doing it to be malicious. That makes me feel good because at least I feel like, okay, I'm trying and they can see I'm trying. And that to me speaks volumes. That, yeah, that's huge. 
my kid has given me a bit of grace and I'm trying really, really hard to be the parent that I need to be for them because I'm their mom. And so I just feel like, you know, that's my job. Well, I think you're amazing. I love that we met on Instagram. And like, I feel like, I mean, we talked for like two hours the other day. We had to rip ourselves (laughs) off of the phone call. Um, But I'm really happy to have met you. Like, I I am too, Angela. We have to do this again. I'm going to have to bring you onto my, oops, I just smacked that microphone. I'm going to bring you onto an IG live. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's talk about money. I love budgeting. I'm that weird person who loves budgeting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's fun. It's great. Awesome. No, and you'd be a really good person to talk to because of your background as a Latina or Hispanic, um, you know, as a member of the LGBT community, uh, GQ plus community and because of your dog. Oh my gosh. My dog who has an entire category in my budget. Like there you go. See a category that I I can never put enough money into because that dog. So we will talk about that. But um, yeah. but where can people find you on Instagram and and for the coaching for the money coaching? I mean, obviously you know a lot about this space and you're really relatable. That's the thing. Like you're very oh, relatable. You. <laughs> so tell us tell us where we can find you. Um. So it's um on all social media. I'm at my B budget and be like the insect. So M Y B E E budget at my B budget and my B budget.com. Uh, I'm learning TikTok, so I'm trying to do that, but I spend most of my time on Instagram. I can be reached at contact at my budget.com. And um, there's a page on my website that says work with me and then, or they can follow the link in my bio in on Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for being here today. Bye. And thank we'll you. talk thank soon. You. I'm so excited. Alrighty.